Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the People's Show. Broadcasting from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm Bick, back in the saddle. I missed you. Hope you missed me. You can always be part of the show, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. With me, Dom, as always, Elon running the show today. What's going on, crew? Welcome back, Coward. (laughs) Good to have you here. Good to be back, man. Good to be back. Uh... What did I miss? A lot, actually. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I, I tried keeping it e- fa- fairly easy and uh, being off the grid. Uh, not as easy as apparently the Canucks uh, off-season training is going. You guys didn't find me for trying to show up to work and doing extra stuff. Uh, just uh, coming out right now, a second ago, Frank Saravelli tweeting, sources say the Canucks have been fined $50,000 by the NHL for violating off-season training rules for players. So, we've heard so much about how important this summer is going to be for so many players and Rick Tockett uh, wanting to be involved. There's certain things you can't do per the CBA. And we've talked to Yannick Hansen about this, of what actions teams can be allowed to check in and and how involved they can be if you're overly involved you're gonna get fined and uh this one uh again rick dollywell just tweeting out as well uh canucks uh, fined fifty thousand by the nhl for holding on ice sessions with a number of players in mid-april after the seasons had ended and the sessions were held in vancouver so 50k fine and you know what here's what i say keep paying them fines they're trying to get better. It's just money. It's just 50K. They're trying to get better. This is a great sign. You don't want to break the rules. I get it. But if players are willing to put the work in as soon as the season ended, great sign. It's 50K. This is like when Nike paid the fines for Jordan for wearing the, the Jordan 1s that were red and black and white and uh, violated the league's uh, shoe protocol. Oh, no, right? Like, wiping away tiers of competition It's all for the greater good. It's, it's, look, the Seahawks picked up fines, draft pick fines, year after year after year, for their practices being too hard in OTAs and in training camp. Whatever. It's 50K. It's not 50K against the cap. It's not 50K out of everyone's pocket. It's 50K. Not a big deal. And they're going after it. Awesome. Tremendous. Uh, this one, Alistair and Victoria. Oh, suddenly no monkey using monkey bars at the local playground isn't allowed. The NHL hates the Canucks. Hey, you can hate them today. Maybe later they'll warm up to it. But 50K, you write that check every single time. Oh, we're competing too hard in the offseason because we want to get better? Fantastic. This is This is a huge, like, big nothing. Yeah, it's 50K and someone's got to pay it out. But ultimately... This should be a good sign for all the, the, the talk that we have of, are they taking this seriously? Are they ready to compete? Are they ready to improve themselves? 
hey, right after the season ended, they're already back to work. They're already trying to get better. Hey, we'll wait till October to see if these results prove out. But to me, this is not that big of a deal. This is probably a good indicator that the players are ready to put in some work this offseason. Now, it's up to Rick Tockett and the rest of the staff to manage how they handle this. But to me, this is a good sign for the players. 650-650. Uh, keep coming with your thoughts. Uh, Chef Swagger. Can't wait to hear, hear what Tockett has to say on TNT. He's been busy. He has been bu- busy uh, doing the TV rounds and the podcast rounds. Uh a lot. Uh, Kevin and Port Moody. Horrible take, Bick. This is nothing like wearing shoes. Well, that was Dom that said that. Uh, but the CBA is there for a reason. And yeah, there's a reason they got fined. I have no problem with them getting fined. But the players going forward and putting in the work already, that's what you want to see. That's all I care about. All I care about are, are the players trying to get better. Now, the coaching staff and the management has got to manage themselves But all I care about is, are the players getting back? If this is a 50K fine against the cap, that's a bigger problem. This is just a check. You write that check every single time. This is no implications on the cap. No no issue with this one. 650-650. On a big day. It's a huge day. Lottery day. We'll we'll do a lottery sim uh, later today. We'll do it after Sammy Cosentino. He's going to join us uh, later. So we'll do a lottery sim. And yeah, in about 40 minutes. But a lot to get into. What's at stake today? We know the Vancouver Canucks have a 3% chance to win the lottery. Move up to first overall and grab local product Connor Bedard. Hey, maybe they win the lottery and get second overall too. Adam Vantelli is a fantastic prize as well. His name should not be uh, forgotten. You asked me, Dom, before the show too. Do you think people would be sour if they won the lottery but finished second? I can't imagine. It's still winning the oh, lottery. Oh, the bitter bros would be so pissed. Then you know what? The people who... It's like winning the third prize in an actual lottery. It's like, oh, I only got a million when the grand prize was 50 million. If you can't be happy with that, that's a you problem, man. Everyone else is going to be thrilled. But the process, Bick. The no, process. No. Hey, the process is... It's a lottery. I want to see all the people that complain about process. Go out today and buy $1,000 of the real lottery. Hey, look, I got more tickets than everyone. Where's your process there? You don't want to do it. How come? Because it's still a lottery. You still only got 18.5% chance or a 25.5% chance. You're still likely to lose. Don't tell me about process. It's literally a lottery. You got a 74% chance to lose it. Still the same thing. But what is at stake today? Fortunes change. I know Elliot's always talked about this being the biggest day now in the calendar. Just fortunes change real fast, pending how the ping pong balls drop for you, pending how it goes. And we'll see the reveal later today, 5 o'clock. Estimated time is probably more like, what, 525? How uh, many commercial breaks? Over, under three. Ooh, in a, in a 30-minute program, probably two. Too. Yeah. It'll be like Ryan Seacrest. Find out who wins the draft lottery <laughs> after the break. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Alvin slated to 
Is he coming on the station? So he's slated to speak to the media at 5.30. Yeah. He's also slated to speak with Canuck Central at some point. So you will hear from Patrick Alvine today, yeah. whether it's on podcast or live on the show. But we believe it will be after the Canucks pick is revealed, yes. he will join Canuck Central. Yes. And I made the joke. Well, it's like, well, he's going to have to meet with them after 6 o'clock. Because if he's meeting with media at 5.30 and the pick isn't revealed till like 5.25, he's going he's to meet with them then manifesting what could become a later today. But it is, look, it, it, it's, to me, this is a bigger day now than July 1st. Obviously, transactions can happen, but you're you're tinkering with the middle part of your roster more often than not, especially look at this free agent class coming up. You're not changing and making sweeping potential changes to your overall team build on July 1st. You win the lottery, everything's on the table now. Vancouver Canucks win the lottery, I'll tell you right now, people are going to start tweeting, hey, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. People are going to start believing, hey, we can win the Stanley Cup because now you get throwing a Bedard with Pedersen, with Hughes, with Demko. Suddenly it's like, wow, this can flip real fast. And the belief is going to change real fast. Signing Ilya Mikheyev on July 1st doesn't really do that. Although a good player, but it just doesn't really do that. You win the lottery, fortune chains real fast. But the Canucks, let's be real, they have the least likely odds to finish first overall. So how invested are you in the actual outcome? 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. It's very likely that they finish 11th. If they finish 11th, are you are you torn up about it? Or do you just say, okay, that's the situation now. Do you reflect back on the season that was and say, hey, this moment they could have gotten better lottery odds or whatever? What is your process heading into tonight, 650-650? And what are you doing to try to influence the win? Not that I think anyone's got any influence, but, hey, fandom is meant to be emotional. It's meant to be irrational. What have you done so far today to swing the odds in your favor? Are you wearing the lucky pair of underwear? Do you do the morning routine? Like, what is it? What have you done today? Uh, Share it with us. Uh, into the inbox, 650-650. But I'll ask you guys here. Uh, have, have you guys done anything uh, superstition-wise today? I've repeatedly clicked on Tankathon until the Canucks win. <laughs> and then okay. you leave on a make. Okay, I was going to – oh, yeah, that have to leave on a make. My nephew threw me the ball after – or didn't pass me the ball after a make this week. Oh, you have to respect oh, the make. I had to explain the whole respect the make process and, yeah. Now he knows. Now now he knows. Um, I was going to save this for free takes, but I'll just drop it now. I'll tell you this for free. You do not have to tweet your screenshot of the Tankathon and claim it was your one and only. You're like, oh, I only simmed it once and the Canucks won. It's okay. You can just say, it took me 14 tries. It's fine. We, we, we're all in on the joke. But I've seen dozens of people say, hey, my only shot. Only time I spun it, I came up with the Vancouver Canucks. Now I feel embarrassed. That There's no way. I've done that. There's no way. Yeah, but was it your actual first shot? Yes. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> you don't have I to. I don't believe anyone <laughs> saying that the first and only time that they did it. Well, technically, it's never the first and only time because you've probably done it 14 times before that on other days. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, this one, uh, 650-650. Uh, 
Sean from North End. Hey, Bick, uh, NHL is a multi-billion dollar industry. Absolutely no way Gary will allow random numbers to decide the fate of the NHL. Here's my prediction. Arizona first, Detroit second, Philadelphia three. Okay, here's the thing. And really about all, like, sports leagues conspiracies, like, Roger Goodell's salary is in the multi-multi-millions. Are they going to risk that for the sake of one team winning the lottery? Is one person willing to risk their entire salary on helping the, the league value? I don't believe that. Don't believe it at all. But that's Sean's prediction. 650-650. Arizona first, Detroit second, Philadelphia three. So Philly can't even move up to three. Philly's seventh best odds. They can only uh, move up to one or two. That's why the Canucks spots are 1, 2, 11, 12, 13. And we'll see what it comes out to. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to Sammy Cosel. Prospects are going to be available there at 11, 12, and 13. But potentially if they move up as well. What are the wins, though, outside of Vancouver? Like, what are the wins? Are there other teams that you would say, hey, if they get Connor Bedard, I can live with it? I think there's four. Because the goal here is still to end up with Connor Bedard in Vancouver at some point. And I say at some point. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's seven years down the line. Yeah. Look, if if you think you were sick of JT Miller trade talk, wait till we start doing the Connor Bedard free agency watch talk. I'm starting it right now on May 8th before the lottery. The other wins that wind up with Connor Bedard in Vancouver at some point. I think if he lands in Chicago... That's kind of a win for Vancouver. There's a lot of work that has to be done in Chicago. And Connor Bedard is a mightily fantastic player. He's not going to be able to do it himself. Chicago's doing this from the ground up. And it's to require hitting on a lot of different draft picks. And they've accumulated that those assets. But you got to hit on those guys. They have to sync up with the timing of the overall build of the organization. And also fit into a time span for Connor Bedard. So I look at this and I say, if he lands in Chicago, what if it's three years of losing? He can put up points, but what if it's three years of losing for Chicago? Does someone get disenfranchised with that and say, you know what? I'm through my entry-level contract. Let me pull up Matthews and I'll sign a four or five-year deal. And then the watch starts. That, to me, would be a win. Arizona might be a win, too. Because, as much as we all wouldn't like it, I'm trying to picture the future here. You still got to play a bunch of games in that makeshift college arena. Arizona's never really shown that they can build a stable, consistent winner. Until they prove that, it's still just an idea that they can do it. And the other two, to me, are Philly. Philly's a mess. Philly has so many contractual problems. Are they actually going to start to push this forward and get to a stage where they're actually competing? They have so many issues, and a lot of the issues are just, they just have bad, bad money in the books, and for long periods of time. How are you actually going to be able to build this out and improve that team? They don't have a lot of great prospects. Are you talking about the Canucks? I'm talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. And then Columbus, to me, is another win. Because there's some exciting pieces to Columbus, 
But again, it's still proof of concept for me. Show me you can be a stable, consistent winner. Goudreau's fun, obviously. Uh, Ken Johnson, another local product. That would be fun. Patrick Laine. But you know, that defense, to me, still needs work. Goaltending, still a little bit of a question mark for the future. But they're building something. But at the same time, jumping from the Columbus market to the Vancouver market in seven years, that's a bit of a win. So I think there's four other wins for Vancouver. Obviously themselves, but Columbus, Chicago, Philly, and Arizona are the four others where I look at and say, if that happens, I think you're okay. I think Canucks fans can maybe breathe easier because those are the opportunities. I don't want to see him land in the Pacific Division, so that rules out Arizona and San Jose. Montreal is obviously a fantastic hockey city. Is the the draw to playing in, in Montreal too big as opposed to like a Columbus? Washington, you get to spend all that time with Ovi. That might be too difficult to pry away from in, in a handful of years. And uh, Detroit and St. Louis. I think they're probably just competitive enough that uh, they'll be okay. 650, 650. Uh, this one. Does the draft lottery really change the direction of a team? How are the Leafs doing with that? And they're going to the playoffs every year. We can talk about levels of success, but you go from first overall to playoffs every year? That's fantastic. That is fantastic. I mean, uh, they literally got Austin Matthews because of a draft lottery. There you go. And, yeah, it they might not be good in the playoffs, but they're consistently a top team. So, uh, This one, three years of losing in Chicago. It's been three years of losing here. Yeah, of course it has. But I'm talking about what's the situation that develops in seven, eight years. Uh, that forces Bedard out of well, not forces that he you know lines his contract up to, to gently end up in positions him to yeah. vacate that. Team. I'm just asking, what are the other wins for Vancouver? They only have a three percent chance today, but are there other ways that you look at it and say, if he's not coming to Vancouver, what are the other cities that he that that he could land in that is good for Vancouver down the line? We joke about how when an NHL coach gets fired, it's a rapid unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> this is a gradual. Unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> Gradual scheduled disassembly? That would work. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Uh, man, people are not happy looking at eight years down the line. I told you, this is what's going to happen. You've seen all the Matthews to Arizona conversations. What do you think we're going to do in this city? It's going to start so fast. Can uh, you imagine? He, so let's say he get, like Arizona gets the first pick tonight. How many conversations are we going to see in the text inbox about, oh, he should pull a Lindros. Uh, it's he already happening. His hand. It's literally, I just saw Lindros's name in the text uh. inbox. Uh, unsigned text here. How about hoping for an Eric Lindros scenario right now? Fantilli, uh, a first, two seconds, and a prospect or two from Vancouver for a holdout Badar. It's already happening right now. That's assuming we get the second pick? Correct. In Vancouver? Okay. Correct. Good stuff, though, in the inbox. 650, 650. We'll try to get to uh, more. But uh, send in your free takes. 650, 650. A week away from free takes. What's on your mind? Doesn't have to be sports related. Can be anything related. Movies, television, the world, food. Send us your free takes. 650, 650. But you got to tag it with. I'll tell you that for free. I'll tell you this for free. A lot of fun over at uh, Vancouver FC last night. Oh, yeah. There's the tunes. Big debut home matches for Vancouver FC. 1-1. One, one. 
draw after a uh, terrible red card marring the match. But good show. Uh, good good debut for VFC uh, over at the Langley Event Center. It's nice to have an outdoor stadium for soccer in the cool. lower mainland. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. Like you, you could feel it right away. Yeah. Uh, I was there. I saw Batch next to me. It was giving Empire Stadium vibes. Yep. For sure. Different locales, but yeah. you still got the, the nice weather in the background. Yeah. It was, it was strong. And you could feel the intimate uh, setting as well. Being right on top of the pitch. The close, uh, the, the intimate vibes were really strong uh, uh, for, for Vancouver. Nicole Jokic shouldn't have been fined anything. I'll tell you that for free. Okay, so in the spirit of what happened, I agree with you. It's stupid. The owner's got to know better. Yeah. And at the same time, the league kind of has to do it. Why? To set some kind of stupid precedent? Yeah. The, this league in particular, more than any other league, very sensitive about fan-player interaction. Sure. Malice of the Palace, all that sort of yeah. stuff. This was not that. No, it wasn't. But you can't even allow the opportunity to say, oh, Jokic didn't get fined for that. There was no reprimand for that. So the next incident that happens, you kind of just have to set the softest precedent possible to say, just so you can go to the rest of the league, 300 players, and say, guys, you can't do this. You just, we don't want any contact between fans and players that is any sort of, I don't want to say abuse, but physical contact. If If you're diving in to save a ball, that's you playing the game. Everyone accepts that. But any sort of push, any sort of physical contact, you got to be very careful. But here's that. the thing: it's not a fan; it's a league executive, uh, an employee of he's the league. He's a fan. In that moment, do you think he's like charged up about the emotion of a game? Tell me, because he wants the result. Tell for... me this: does the NBA not have the power to fine him too, Matt Ishba? Hey, find the owner too. That's what Absolutely. I'm saying. Absolutely, find the owner too. It's got to be 50-50. There's two parties involved. They're both involved in the NBA. They have the capability to find the owner, and they absolutely should do yeah. that. Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to tell you for free. Guys, uh, we're talking about 25k to millionaires and a potential billionaire in the owner. It's just a slap on the wrist. Right, got to do it. Yeah, you, you just got to do it. You got to do it. And I will say, players don't like even if it's 25k. Players don't like hanging out any sort. Of, I mean, that's a car. Yeah. Not a great one, but it's a car. Hey. We can be sensible. Yeah. Uh, Marcus and Gibsons. Uh, Bedard will never do what Lindros did. Too classy, I'll tell you that for free. Oh, stop it. Be fantastic, oh, BJ. Fantastic. I saw. So- I, I, I don't think you would either. But also, you have to consider the cost. I don't think any team would pay it nowadays. We're talking about, like, I, I kind of done the math in my head. I feel like it's eight first-round picks. Like, the equivalent of that. Sure. I don't think any team is doing that. I saw I saw uh, noted uh, NHL writer talk about how he hopes that if he does get selected to Arizona that he pulls in Eric Lindros and people were slagging on him like it's such an honor just to be drafted in the NHL how can you tweet such a thing it's like stop it Arizona's a joke like can we please get past this dumb hockey culture also, thing I'm pro people using their leverage yes if if you have enough talent that you can dictate where you get drafted and you say hey I know I'm going number one. I want to play for this team. Or, I, or more importantly, I don't want to play for you. Yeah. Hey, man, hats off to the kid. Hats off. They have no they have no say in their outcome of where they can play. If you can say, like, I don't want to play here. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, I don't want to play at Mullet Arena. Thanks, but no thanks. 
Uh, basketball Phil, Suns owner should be fined for that horrible flop. He forget oh. even making contact. Just get yeah. you're just fine for the flop. It's like that was terrible. It was LeBron esque. Uh, this one, uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, I think there's a typo on this one. Way to pre-read, Vic. I know. I'll tell you that for free. Connor will hold out and not sign his entry-level deal until he becomes a free agent and then signs his contract in Vancouver. I don't know how that works. <laughs> we can't hold out on his on his uh, ELC. You just have to literally force a trade. You, you just got to wait seven years. Yeah. If they don't win today, it's seven-year watch. Yeah. Like, set a timer in your phone right now on your iCal or whatever and say, hey, in April of 2030, He's now eligible to hit free agency. You know what? Everyone says pull a Eric Lindros. Don't pull an Eric Lindros. Pull a Steve Francis. Pull pull a come out publicly and say I don't want to play. Do the for lower Arizona. Lifting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, uh, I tell you this is for free, Joss. Uh, when you say Arizona, I feel like you mean the Houston. I feel like you mean Houston, Texas. And we'll see what happens with uh, the Coyotes. Uh, all right. Good stuff in the inbox, 650, 650. We'll get to more of your thoughts. We'll do a lottery sim uh, coming up in the show. But first, Sammy Cos. Sam Cosentino joining us next here. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The People's Show, second half of The People's Show. Make way for Canucks Central coming up at 4 o'clock. Busy show for them. They will be talking uh, to Frank Cervelli, I believe. And also, they'll have the draft lottery for you at 5 o'clock. And then they'll bring you Patrick Alvin's uh, media availability at 5.30. Plus, they'll be talking to Patrick Alvin exclusively themselves at uh, 4 o'clock. Or sorry, Patrick Alvin will join at some point during the show, but Canuck Central will take over at 4 o'clock with Satyar Shaw and Dan Riccio. Uh, let's connect with Dan Riccio's cousin, Sammy Cos. joins us now. Sam Cosentino, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst and NHL draft analyst. Sam, how are you? What's going on, buddy? How are you? <laughs> We're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, the vibes are, uh, I, I want to say good, but also nervous. I think Canucks fans yeah. have resigned themselves to 3% and saying, like, all right, we know what's going to happen. It's <laughs> happened before. But you still want to try to be uh, hopeful in a day like today. Yeah, it's it's hard. I get it. But we talked about that mushy middle before, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. yeah. It, we've been a station now for six years, and I feel like we've had the mushy middle conversation so many times with you. Yeah. I know. Well, it's a tough place to be. I mean, it's a little bit better of a place to be this year than maybe in years past. Mm-hmm. So there is that consolation. And, hey, you never know. A little luck goes a long way. You end up moving up to three, four, ten spots. You never know, right? So when you talk to scouts, I was saying earlier, like obviously the, the, the importance of the state to me is probably surpassed like even July 1st um, because like this brings waves of hope for a lot of people if you have the lottery go your way. When you talk to scouts, like what's their reaction to the importance of the state? Same as, same as everyone else? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's some anxiety there. But for the scouts, the finality of it all is actually pretty cool because 
now now they can focus in on a range of players right, right? they're they're going to be pretty confident where they're picking they can focus in on a range of players and you know that that range that might have been 15 or 20 before gets cut down into you know into maybe three or four and I, and then you can continue your your due diligence on that uh, smaller grouping with additional meetings and and background work and so on so that's the part of that I think scouts like they get out of tonight they're like, all right, we have a pretty good sense of what the range looks like. Now let's hunker down on that range and, and get ready to rock. So for Vancouver, uh, we'll, we'll do this kind of in reverse order. Uh, the, the three spots that we know that they can go are uh, 11, 12, 13. If, if I told you there's three players that you, that you can select in that, select in that range, you know, which three names kind of jump out to your mind? Samuel Honsek. So that's kind of cool because that's listeners in – you know, in your area, obviously, would be somewhat familiar with his game and his size and his ability to, you know, to play a pro style of game at, at a at a young age. He's more of an advanced player, I think, in terms of his all around game and his lean and you know the ability to play hard and be tough to play against, puck protect those those sorts of things. Uh, David Reinbach or, or Axel Sandin Pelica. So those guys are going to be in the conversation, I think, for a lot of teams based on the fact that you have two right-shot defensemen, and after that there's a significant drop-off. So if you are you get to that point and you're like, well, we got to address a positional need, right-shot defenseman with size, you go with Reinbacker, you know, 6'2", almost 200 pounds, um, and a guy who had a lot of success playing in the Swiss League this year. Or you look at a guy like Axel Sandin Pelica, who's really kind of a, a, a two-way guy, who really acquitted himself well at the most recently completed under-18s, but was good after he adapted to the, to the pace of play uh, and the smaller ice surface at the, uh, at the world junior. So, you know, if, if it's a D man you're looking for, and that might be the area in which Vancouver's leaning uh, based on their prospect base, then one of those two guys might enter the conversation, but it's going to be fascinating Vic, to watch those two guys because, because of the premium on, on that position and being a right shot guy. So where I might have them both comfortably inside the top 16 and probably from like, nine to 16 you know teams might might address that positional need a, a little bit earlier maybe at, at five or seven or something like that you know so they're going to be they're going to be really interesting to watch those two Hansik in particular i feel like from where we were this time last year or you know the the, the start of the the season to now i feel like he's been a riser i, I know the midterm rank he, he finished i think 11th or 9th uh by, by central scouting but it feels like he's been quite yeah. a riser this season for sure for sure. And, and again, like, unfortunately got hurt at the World Juniors was such a great place to evaluate because you're seeing a younger player in a, in a more advanced game. And, uh, you know, you're, you're hoping for, for really big things there. And the one or two games he played before he got hurt, he looked like he was ready to rock. So, and then you get back and that, that injury lingers for a little while. Misses the top prospects game on the, on the 25th of January. And then you're left to wonder, okay, end of the year, pretty good. You know, what's what's next for Hansen? But I think if you take the full body of work, you understand the size, the ability that, you know, to protect the puck, play with some skill. You know, he looks to me like a guy who would who would be really, you know, primed to be able to play playoff hockey. Um, and I think that's an important thing because, as you know, we always have that recency bias when the draft is butted next to the to the end of the Stanley Cup. 
on the other two, and, and we already got a text here, like, hey, Reinbacher, he's probably going top 10 from fans texting in right now. And we see this trend now, D-men, uh, cropping up a lot higher on those uh, on the actual draft day, uh, especially right shot D-men. Is, is there a chance you know one of them slides out, or is it, are we just going to see the trend continue of that, that late surge of narrative? Be like, hey, the, 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 the centers and the right shot D-men are just going to go higher again. No, I think that that's always going to exist. Um, but again, you know, when we're talking about this draft class in particular, you're seeing a lot of those, I don't want to say smallish, but like six foot and under players, right. you know, 5'11", 5'10", 180 pounds, 175 pounds. So there are a lot of those guys to pick from, whether it's a Braden Yeager or a Riley Height or a Ryan Leonard or an Ollie Moore, like, there are a lot of those similar type players. So then it probably becomes more your flavor of what's the character like, what's the personality like, what does the background say about the player? And then you kind of, you know, pick and choose based on who's uh, already off the board. But when it comes to the, to the D man, and again, like Vancouver's in that, in that prime spot, you know, where they would be in a position to say, yeah, we really like the forward here, but you know what? We need to address this position. And, and maybe it's a, you know, like I have Reinbacker ahead of Axel Sandin Pelica, but maybe Pelica's the only guy left for them at the spot that you that you're talking about mm-hmm. eleven. Uh, and so you're saying to yourself, oh, do we really want to go with this more smaller skilled forward guy, or do we want to address that positional need? And I think Vancouver at that point addresses the positional need. On Pelica, it does feel like some of the shine maybe has gone off of him from where he was a year ago because it felt like maybe unanimous number one right shot D man and to where we are now, maybe it's more in question if, if he is going to be the number one right shot demon taken. Yeah. I mean, Reinbacker, it's, it's really, you know, that's an amazing year for him mm-hmm. playing minutes in all situations in a, in a good league in, in Switzerland, you know, and then the, the Austrian background, um, you know, having to move to play, the, you know, hockey at a younger age to a place where it was more competitive. Like those are, those are cool parts of the story for him. Uh, and then having the success he's had in the Swiss league is, you know, that's, that's important stuff because you're a lot closer to measuring what things might like be and might, might they be like in the national hockey league. So obviously it's not the exact same, you know, the the pace is, is not the same and the physicality is not the same, but it's still a pretty good indicator of what you can expect from the player. So when it comes to Ryan Backer and you're playing in all those situations, that's, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of importance placed on that. I think when you're at, you know, sending Pelica, you haven't had those same, same opportunities. So um, again, but I do think this though, Vic, I do think that there is a significant gap after those two. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're going to be fascinating to watch because are you going to wait a little while and, and go down the board a little bit and try and pick, pick off a D man that I don't think is in the same class as the two right shot guys. Is this draft class, talking to Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet NHL analyst and NHL draft analyst, is, is this draft class similar to any in recent memory, like a 2019? Because, you know, that class had all those uh, U.S. program players just get flushed yeah. in. And it's not necessarily like that, but I felt like that was a really deep class. And you were there in the, the 20s. You can still grab a Phil Tomasino or in the you know 15s and the mid-teens, a Cole Caulfield, Newhook, a Boldy, you know. Does this draft class remind you of any recent ones as far as the depth? Well, I, I do like the 2019 comparison only for what you talked about. So that was heavy uh, Western Hockey League. 
if you can remember, I think it was Bowen Byram and Dylan Cousins, Peyton yep. Krebs, Doc. That, that group, yep. um, and Kirby Doc. And, and I remember it well because I sat down with both sets of four at the NHL Combine. And for the other side, it was Caulfield, Zegras, Turcott, and Hughes. And so for me, that one kind of held a you know, bit of a special memory, I guess, because I had the opportunity to sit down with them at the, at the, at the bar 716 there, used to be called that in, in, in Buffalo, and just kind of shoot the breeze. And it was a really cool thing. So when you look at Leonard, Smith, and Oliver Moore, um, and you compare it to like Jaeger, Height, Bedard, Benson, you know, there are some similarities there. Um, but also in that draft class, a lot of high-end forwards that ended up going a little bit later that you thought were still going to be really good players, like Tomasino I had going a little bit higher, and he ends up going later, and, you know, I, I think he's well on his way now. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, similarities to that 2019. Now, the only difference, Vic, is like we're only four years down the road, so to get a true sense of what the rest of that looks like, we're, we're not there yet. You mentioned Moore. Uh, there's two players, actually, one from the dub and one from uh, the, the U.S. program, Oliver Moore and Nate Danielson. I'm just kind of looking at centers in general, just obviously it's a, a huge need for Vancouver. Those two players in particular, they could be hanging around that 11 spot. Um, what stands out about their games uh, and, and what makes their skills translatable to the pro level? So for Danielson, what I like about him is that I think there's a, a very um, – real possibility of, of a B game that works that if he doesn't produce, he can still be a third line matchup guy who can uh, have some responsibility on the PK and still give you value for how high you're taking. When it comes to Oliver Moore, I don't know if he has that B game intact, but I'd say the offensive upside is greater. So that's what you're weighing when you're looking as a scout, you're saying, all right, we really love the speed game. We love the fact that Moore can put up points and that he's going to be able to play at today's pace. But should he not be able to play in your top six, is he still going to be a valuable member of your team? And I think that's more of a question mark. As And where it differs with Danielson, you might question his ability to produce at that level, but you're pretty confident that should he not produce, all right, well, I, I know he's going to be able to be in my lineup every day. He's not going to be uh, someone who's uh, going to be a liability out there. So, that's the difference you're looking for. And if you're a bit of a risk taker, you say, all right, I'll gamble on the, on the higher end um, potential for offense with more, or I'm going to take, be a little bit more safe and conservative and go with a guy like Danielson. Uh, let's go to the top end of the draft. Uh, someone's winning this lottery tonight, and they're going to be licking their chops sitting at one or two. Uh, so so what, you know, for you, like what separates Bedard from Fantilli? And I, I do want to talk about Fantilli in just a minute here, but just in general, like what makes him just a clear designation from, from number two? Well, you know, like they're, they're, it's the dynamic ability that Bedard brings to shoot the puck. And literally, I believe that every time he has it, he's a threat. And I wouldn't have said that as much last year, but I feel like the playmaking has, has progressed in his game. That might have always been evident if you're watching him on an everyday basis in Regina, but from my viewings of it, that, that part of his game has really um, taken a, a major step forward. So, you know, maybe a year ago we're looking at a one-trick pony, yeah, 50-goal guy, that's awesome, he can shoot and he can score. Now you're looking at a guy that's got a little bit more dogged determination, a little bit better with the puck protect, and the ability to score from distance, from in tight, really nifty around the net. And that goal-scoring ability, is it's unmatched by 
by anyone in this draft class. It's unmatched by anyone I think we've seen since maybe going back to, to Jack Hughes. So that, uh, for me, is, is the big separator, is the fact that every time he's out on the ice, and I believe this is going to be true in the National Hockey League, he has a chance to score. No, you know, that's just not an everyday thing. So when it comes to Fantilli, though, it's maybe a little bit more of a cerebral game. It's the size. It's the fact that he, you know, is a center when, and, and that's what he's going to project to be. And I do believe that's going to be Connor's spot, maybe not right off the hop. Um, but for Fantilli, I believe right off the hop, that's, that's how he's going to project. So, again, you're talking about a guy who plays with pace. He's got a little bit of bump to his game, which I like. When it comes to Fantilli, the success he's had against uh, – against men playing in the NCAA to win the Hobie Baker is really, really impressive. And it's going to be cool for me to, to watch him play in the men's world. I think that's a, that's a wonderful opportunity for him. So, you know, there, there definitely is a difference in that I don't get the sense that every time Fantilli touches the puck, he's going to score. With Bedard, I do. And, and that's not to take anything away from Fantilli because he's a wonderful player and anyone who gets him is going to be really, really excited about it. Yeah, it's certainly an unfair comparison, and he can't help being born in the year that he was uh, alongside Connor Bedard, but uh, certainly a great conversation. We'll see what happens later today. Sammy, you're the best, man. Always appreciate it. Okay, bet. Good talking to you, buddy. Take care. Sam Cosentino. If you're not following him on Instagram, because he's not on Twitter, because he's uh, very intelligent, uh, Sammy Cos4 on the IG, on the gram. Uh, but we'll see what happens uh, tonight. But before then... Why don't we try to sim one up here? Oh, yeah. This is great uh, lotto music here. So I know I said earlier, I don't believe anybody's uh, lottery sims. And I'll tell you that for free. Because everyone's like, hey, I only did one attempt with the Canucks with the 3% chance. So many Canucks fans I've seen tweet that today. I've seen a couple where it's like, hey, it took me 20 chances. You, you are the honest ones. I applaud you. So, Dom, are you doing this or am I doing this? We should both do one. Okay. And Marcus and Gibson's called us out earlier. It's like, hey, Bick, you and Sat did it on the post-game show earlier this year, and you got the Canucks. I'm telling you, we only did it once. And that was actually at a time when the Canucks had, like, an, the eighth best odds or the sixth best odds. We only did it once. Sat showed me the screen. That was legit. So we'll do it again. Man, this is like Hawaiian lotto music. This is great. It's very kitsch. All right. I'm going to click it right now. Dom, go ahead. All right. Was there any change to yours? Yes, there was. Oh, boy. Okay. There Where was, should we start? There top was five, change to top mine. 10? Uh, <laughs> I think 10's a little much. We should do 10 and not say Vancouver. And then we're like, oh, no, they finished 11th. I can do that. <laughs> Drafting in the 10th position, St. Yeah. Louis. Drafting in the 9th position, Detroit. Same for me. Drafting 8th, Washington. Yeah. 7th, Philadelphia. Okay, we're sixth, good. 6th, Arizona. Okay, we're good. We're good there. Because I have changed from here on out. So don't finish mine? Yeah. Okay. Who's fifth for you? Montreal. I had San Jose. Ooh. So there's uh, – and by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll do the spoiler alert here. In mine, Vancouver did not move up. So Montreal moved down in yours. Yes. Okay. No. Montreal stays at five. Sorry. So Montreal stayed at five. Yeah. Who's your number four? San Jose. Oh, boy. Okay. Number three, Chicago. Uh, so I had Chicago at four, Anaheim at three. Number two overall, moving down one spot, the Anaheim Ducks. All right. I have at number two overall, Montreal. So they moved up three spots. And picking first overall, 
the Columbus to Blue Jackets. Same, same. There you go. Worked out. Confirmed. He's going to Columbus. Columbus, Montreal, Anaheim, Chicago, San Jose for me. And Columbus, Chicago, Montreal for you. Do you remember when Benning admitted to going on this website and just clicking it a bunch of times? I guarantee you every exec does yeah. it. It's, it's impossible not to be seduced by the lottery win. You know what blows how, how else are you supposed to satisfy it without not going to the website to, to, they, to log in on? They must make a killing in ad revenue. Tankathon.com? Probably. Especially from like 10 cities that from October onwards. Yeah, no, exactly. they're not going to make it. Like, I'm bored. You know what I need to do? Hit the tank button a bunch of times. Sim lottery. One hour and seven minutes away. Oh, there's a counter actually on, on Tankathon. Yeah. One hour and seven minutes and two seconds. From away. the start of the broadcast, we should yeah. be specific. Uh, 650, 650. What was with the fines the Vancouver Canucks got for off-season training? We talked about it off the top of the show. Download the podcast. Also that. All the pods. Halford and Bruff, Merrick Show, Canucks Talk, PDO, Canucks Central, which is minutes away. So they got fined for off-season training. 50K uh, during the April 16th week of uh, April. Yeah. 16th to 23rd. Players training with coaches. You're not allowed to do that. There's, there's some things you can do, but uh, you can't do that. By the way, any insinuation that the Canucks didn't know that they would get fined for this kind of behavior is poppycock. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. There is no well, chance the Canucks didn't know that they would get some kind of fine for doing off, unsanctioned off-season practices. Stop it. No. I, look, it, it's, it's a scenario that like you got to manage it better. What do you mean, manage it better? There's a way to get around all this stuff. They didn't. And so they're they're paying the fine for it. Yeah, but they knowingly do that. Sure, hey, 50K is no big deal. Yeah. Look, it's a 50K fine, and I, I, I said off the top of the show, give them the fine, but you pay that fine every time. Yes. You, you, you write that tax every time. The players are willing to put in work a week after their season had ended. Cool. 50K, no big, no big deal to me. Go put in that work. Go get better. Go focus on your game. It's important that it's the best players doing this. I think the uh, Rick Dolly was already tweeting out that it was uh, uh, Dakota Joshua and Stadnika were part of this. Um, you know, the, the best players are the ones that are going to have to set the standard and be the best moving forward. And if everyone starts taking this seriously, this is a good thing. You pay the 50K. It's not against the cap, anything like that. So I have no problem with the the 50k fine, but that's what happened. It's it's off season workouts. Apparently, the fine gets heavier and heavier the more times of you course. violate it. It's yeah. like a speeding ticket. It's it's gonna escalate. Yeah. But hey, so long as it's not against the cap, write that check every single time. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw. Speaking of writing checks, uh, they're on the way. Canuck <laughs> Central, leading you to the draft lottery. May the odds be in your favor. We're out. Back tomorrow.